I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Fast signaling pathway plays a central role in activating cell death. As such, it's implicated in a range of conditions and has been associated with ophthalmic diseases. ONL Therapeutics is developing therapies that target fast signaling to address a range of retinal conditions. We spoke to Connie Chang, Chief Operating Officer for ONL Therapeutics, about the role fast signaling plays in cell death how this underlies a number of retinal diseases, and the company's experimental therapy to inhibit fast signaling. Connie, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Danny, for having me on today. We're going to talk about retinal diseases, ONL therapeutics, and its efforts to develop therapies that target a key pathway involved in the death of retinal cells. Perhaps we can begin with the need that ONL is seeking to address. What's the range of conditions it's targeting and how big a need does it represent? You know, let me start with the, with the uh, vision and mission of ONL Therapeutics. We are an Ann Arbor-based company working in neuroprotection. We are dedicated to protecting the vision of patients living with retinal diseases. And so to your question about the specific indications that we're looking at, it's really exciting. We are now in three different clinical indications. We are in three different clinical trials. One for regimatogenous retinal detachment. We could talk more about what that is. That is an emergent acute condition um, of the eye where the retina kind of separates from the back of your eye. We also are studying our lead compound in geographic atrophy, which has gotten a lot of market attention lately and also open-angle glaucoma. And in terms of of market sizes, how big are the markets we're talking about? Well, these are all very large markets. Let me start with the orphan indication, retinal detachment. This is actually um, not a huge market in terms of how often it happens, but when it happens, it's very emergent. There's about 100,000 detachments that happen a year in the U.S. alone. Um, when this happens, standard of care is to go into the surgical suite. And while 85% of these surgeries are successful, there's actually half of them that reattach the retina, but you don't achieve your 2020 vision. You're at 2050 or worse. Um, So that's retinal detachment. When we're talking about geographic atrophy, now we're talking about millions Geographic atrophy associated with uh, dry age-related macular degeneration. There's at least 3 million people in the U.S. living with that. And unfortunately, because uh, diabetes is often a risk factor and diabetes is increasing in our population, there's just more and more GA is what we call a geographic atrophy, um, unfortunately, that patients are suffering from. And last but not least, Glaucoma, we're talking about the world's 
number one preventable cause of blindness, 40 million worldwide, 5 million in the U.S. alone. How well are these conditions treated today with existing Well, like therapies? I started to talk about, the standard of care in a retinal detachment condition is, uh, you know, surgery. And in the U.S., we're lucky enough that if you were to experience retinal detachment, which I'll describe in a second, you're going to get into the surgical suite within one or two days. In other countries, it might be one or two weeks to wait. What happens in this condition, because not everybody has heard of it, is that your retina, which is you know the light-sensitive portion of your eyes, what it is what helps you see, and all your photoreceptors live there. Your retina kind of comes off the back of your eye. It comes off from all the you know blood vessels and nutrients that the photoreceptors need to stay alive. And so you know when that happens, you need to get that surgical repair right away. Now. In the interim of when you're diagnosed to when you're in surgery, that retina stays detached. And unfortunately, you can have photoreceptors die. So our lead compound, which is a neuroprotection um, therapy, we believe will help preserve those photoreceptors, keep them alive while you're waiting for surgery. And again, in other countries, that may be even more um, of a value proposition because you might be waiting one or two weeks for your surgery. Um, in geographic atrophy, there's been a lot of market noise this year. There's been two other um, GA products that have hit the market. They're the first ever approved products for geographic atrophy, and, and that's great for patients. Um, however, there are some side effects that are being studied right now because obviously these patients have been, um, there's more patients being dosed. Um, and unfortunately, too, it is something where patients have to get an injection in the eye every month or so for geographic atrophy. So the efficacy of these products is still kind of um, to be determined over time as more patients start on that therapy. Um, and then lastly, glaucoma is something where we actually have been managing a symptom of glaucoma for a long time, and that's elevated intraocular pressure. Um, it's really important to note that 30 to even 40% of the population that has glaucoma doesn't have elevated um, IOP or intraocular pressure. And so, you know, if all the treatments are really managing a symptom that not everybody has, what's happening is that we're not really going to the root cause of the problem. We're not really protecting the optic nerve cells um, and the retinal ganglion cells. Again, with, with our company, we're really focused on bringing novel neuroprotection strategies to um, retina diseases, starting with these three. ONL's focusing on what's known as the FAST pathway. The FAST what activation pathway. It's a well-known cell death and inflammatory signaling pathway. It's actually present in many different parts of the body, including the retina. And so what happens is when you have some sort of disease stress in your eye, this leads um, to uh, an activation of a receptor that's present um, on your retina, and it's, that's the FAST receptor. When that FAST receptor is activated, it does two things. It first signals the cell death pathway, and so in scientific terms, it's called apoptosis. Your cells start to die. It also starts um, an inflammatory signaling cascade that um, brings other inflammatory cells to that local area of stress, and that just creates a feed-forward loop of more inflammation more cell death. So what our lead compound, which we call ONL-1204, 
1204 actually blocks the naturally occurring fast receptor on the surface of the retinal cell, and it stops, it's a one-two punch. It stops the cell death signaling. It also stops the inflammatory signaling. How did the role of this pathway come to be recognized? Well, that's what's really interesting, and that's what I love about being in the biotech field. It, the science is sometimes serendipity as well. Our scientific founder, his name is Dr. David Zacks. He's a clinician and basic science researcher at the University of Michigan. He is a global expert on the fast signaling pathway. He actually uh, discovered the precursor to you know, our current lead compound. He had he was very early in his career, was reviewing papers about um, other labs that might be investigating fast signaling in other organ systems. And I believe he actually collaborated with another academic center um, that was studying uh, a moiety in the gut, in GI, gastroenterology. And it wasn't working because um, this is not exactly our lead compound, but uh, it's a small peptide and it was uh, similar and was broken down systemically when it's in plasma our peptide does break down very easily. In the immune privileged uh, eyeball, in the vitreous humor, it actually has a very different um, chemical uh, property and actually has a very long half-life, ONL1204. Um, and we can get into that in a moment, but I just wanted to emphasize how science sometimes can be, you know, not a straight line. And David Zacks recognized that, hey, you know, here's this science, uh, this, uh, lab that's studying this pathway in GI, and they're not having any luck in that particular disease state, I wonder if I can collaborate with them and start studying this for, for the eye. And that's, that's really how it all started. How unique is this pathway to the eye, and does targeting it raise concerns about off-target effects elsewhere in the body? I mean, that's a really important consideration, Danny, is the safety profile. Um, so first of all, how unique is this? It's actually a, a highly differentiated um, pathway for uh, a company that's in ophthalmology. There isn't anybody else that our company is aware of that's studying this particular pathway for the eye. Now, that being said, I think there has been um, a lot of interest in studying, you know, Death, path, death pathways in cancer, for instance, and other types of autoimmune diseases. Um, Off-target effects are all, always something that you know people in the biotech industry are very um, cognizant of and, and careful about. Um, luckily, we've we've actually studied both non-clinically in animal models, and now we also have clinical data, which suggests number one, from human PK studies that we've done, there isn't any. Um, traceable systemic um, ONL1204 that can be found after injection in the eye. So that's that's good. We don't, we're not finding it kind of floating around the rest of the body. And then also in, in animal models, we found that um, inhibiting fast does not lead to any sort of um, untoward effects uh, with regard to um, blindness or regular development of, of sight in, in animal models. We, we've got a a number of VEGF inhibitors that have been used to treat eye disease. How does the mechanism of action with ONL1204 differ from, from these? Well, so the the VEGF inhibitors are really um, working in a totally different indication, and that's in um, wet age-related macular degeneration. Um, it's a it's a it's a different form of age-related macular degeneration or AMD. Um, ONL1204 and, and the other approved products are actually looking at 
dry, the dry form of age-related macular degeneration. And geographic atrophy is even the more severe version of dry AMD. The reason why ONL-1204 within the indication of dry AMD and geographic atrophy, the reason why it's um, unique is that the other approved products and actually the 20 other products that are in uh, various stages of development primarily are looking at um, complement inhibition. So you may have um, talked about that in, in some of your other podcasts, but complement inhibition is also along the same multi-step pathway as, as uh, the FAST inhibition pathway, but it's um, far downstream. So the FAST receptor um, and the FAST activation pathway is actually upstream of the complement inhibition pathways. Um, now, that in and of itself is not necessarily good or bad, but what we found is that some of the interesting, um, very early efficacy signals that we're seeing in our compound in the clinic uh, suggest that there may be the potential for an outsized effect of ONL-1204 vis-a-vis the com competitors. And we think it might have something to do with the um, upstream inhibition of the cell death and inflammatory signaling processes. You mentioned this is a, a small peptide. Does that have advantages with delivery directly into the eye? You know, I, I'm not a I'm not a CMC expert, but I'm going to say it's not. What it is, uh, uh, one advantage is that it's not a very difficult compound to actually synthesize. Um, so that's actually really good from a from a simplicity standpoint. Um, but as far as being delivered as an intravitreal injection or IVT therapy, the one big advantage that we have is the incredibly long half-life that we have. So what's very unusual for a small peptide is that we actually have a half-life that we've studied in various models of about 100 days. So what that allows us to do, and in fact, what we're doing in our clinical trials is we're studying injections of ONL-1204 every 90 days, and we're actually preparing to study even every 180 days or every six months. So when you compare um, an injection therapy uh, every three or six months versus every month, um, that's actually, we believe, a compelling um, advantage from a patient perspective. At the same time, would that provide a, a, a cost advantage as well? Um, you know, I think that Pricing is one of those things that is a little further down the path from where our company is right now. Um, but what I can say is that if we think about a course of therapy for a chronic condition um, being, you know, delivered every quarter or just twice a year, there could be a lot of um, economic benefits to that in terms of um, uh, ease of the patient to schedule visits. Um, some of these diseases like glaucoma, these are working age individuals. So they don't have lost days from going to the clinic every month. They're going every, you know, maybe every 90 days or every 180 days. Um, and so there are a lot of um, global economic benefits. As well as their willingness to get jabbed in the eye with a needle, I guess. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm glad you just mentioned it head on. I mean, I don't think it's something that people would wish for, but what we do know from talking with specialists and talking with actually we've, we've done market research with patients themselves. So, um, you know, if it's something that works and something that can preserve sight, 
um, patients have expressed a lot of enthusiasm for a new therapy, even if it's delivered by an injection, and even if that's instead of eye drops. It's really interesting um, what patients have told us in market research. And is the mechanism of action the same across all these indications? It is, actually, because um, it is actually delivered in the same way um, it's delivered as an IVT to the back of the eye. Um, and, and so you're, you may be very familiar with um, uh, tumor necrosis factor TNF inhibitors that um, you know, are in autoimmune diseases, and, and the same inhibition of TNF has proven itself efficacious in a variety of diseases, including Crohn's and plaque psoriasis. And so if you think about it, the FAST receptor um, and the FAST pathway underpins multiple different retinal diseases. And so we believe that, you know, if we show that ONL-1204 really works as safe and effective, it could be like the TNF for retinal diseases, TNF inhibitor for retinal diseases. What's known about the safety and efficacy of it from studies you've done to date? Um, we have a few different ongoing clinical studies. So let me start with just kind of reviewing where we are. We have um, just completed enrollment for a phase two study that's being conducted in the U.S. We just actually um, announced that a couple of days ago. Um, that that phase two study has now completed enrollment, um, and there's 135 plus patients um, in the U.S. that have been enrolled in that study. We also have already completed a phase one study in retinal detachment. Um, we also have two other ongoing phase 1B studies. These are actually studies um, in, in actual patients with the, with the disease of interest, so GA um, and also um, glaucoma. The collective safety so far that, that we've seen suggests that um, ONL-1204 is safe and well-tolerated in all of these different populations. But of course, this is early results. We still have to go through the whole FDA process and the different phases of research. And what's the development path forward? Well, um, you know, as you're really familiar in the biotech landscape, we have to, you know, start with our phase one studies, which are which are small. So our phase one studies in glaucoma, for instance, we have 25 patients enrolled. In our GA study, we have 22 patients enrolled. And then when we get to bigger and, you know, phase two studies, for instance, like I mentioned, retinal detachment, we have 135 patients there. And, and that study will be um, statistically powered to be able to show a difference between the different groups that we're studying. Um, when, when, we, when we go beyond that, you know, if we, if we have great results, which we hope to be able to share in, next year on our phase two, then that would propel us forward to a phase three study in that particular disease. Um, for geographic atrophy right now, we're very excited because we're gearing up and, and doing a lot of um, internal work right now to um, develop a plan for a phase two study in uh, geographic atrophy that we hope to kick off sometime next year. Given the ubiquity of the FAST pathway, is it implicated in any diseases other than the diseases of the eye? And if so, would you expect to look beyond the eye at either on your own or through partnerships? Oh, that's a great question. And I think for any um, 
growing biotech company like ONL Therapeutics, it's always something you know, at the back of our mind, you know, how are we going to keep developing our pipeline? So the short answer to your question is yes, the fast, um, the fast receptor and the fast activation pathway is implicated in other diseases. The closest thing to the eye, if you think about the eye as an extension of the brain is, you know, are there other um, diseases of the brain or, or stresses to the brain that ONL therapeutics might be able to start thinking about? I mean, it is, like I said at the outset, a neuroprotection company. Um, so we have some really early stage work that we're looking at in some other um, neuro uh, neuroscience related diseases. Um, and as far as the pathway to be able to really um, harden those concepts into actual development plans, that's something that of course, we're, we're still, we just closed a series C earlier this year and we'll be looking to raise a series D going forward. So depending on where our investors um, take us and the investment thesis, how that evolves, um, we may very well start to start to extend beyond the eye at some point. On the pipeline on your website, it indicates the company is also developing a gene therapy. What's the idea here? Would this get the eye to continuously produce a therapeutic peptide rather than requiring repeated injections? You know, it's it's interesting. We we did at one time have the gene therapy in in, uh, in our pipeline. We have since decided to move away from the gene therapy, and it was really a um, it was really a business decision as far as um, our ability to to keep all of these different plates spinning in the air. Um, the original uh, hypothesis and, and thesis for moving forward with the gene therapy is exactly what you're saying. Is there a way that we can actually create a um, you know, a small manufacturing facility of fast inhibitor in the eye by, um, you know, stimulating the the uh, cells in the eye to actually produce um, ONL1204 itself. Um, I, not to get too much into the biochemical weeds, so to speak, there is um, an exogenous um, uh, fast ligand that exists that would would normally activate the fast um, receptor, and so at one point we were kind of looking at whether we could create that sort of biofactory approach. Um, however, at this point, um, we are focused 100% on our peptide and moving that forward. You mentioned that there might be a dosing regimen advantage to your therapies over the existing therapies. I'm wondering if there have been any discussions with doctors, and you know, my my thought is that they make their money by giving injections. Is is there any risk that adoption might actually be hampered even though patients might benefit from uh, a less frequent dosing? Well, I guess um, you bring up a good point about thinking about the different economics and incentives and disincentives. I think at least the the physicians that we've had a chance to talk to and also the physicians that make up um, our kind of friends and family and scientific advisory board, I think, um, patient acceptance is paramount because that directly leads to, um, you know, patient compliance and sticking with therapy. Um, so I think that as the category, if we're talking about geographic atrophy, since therapies are new in that category, I think there is a little bit of, um, you know, to be determined as to how this, this plays out. Um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that the, uh, patient, um, burden will will be uh, the most important factor as far as longer-term adoption. You 
alluded to the financing you've been doing. In March, the company completed the first tranche of a Series C round. This followed a $46.9 million tranche on a Series B round in January 2022. It's been a tough financing environment, and I, I take it venture investors are imposing tranches to ensure the company meets agreed-upon milestones. What's been ONL's experience raising capital in this environment? Well, I think our experience, um, as you pointed out, has been pretty positive in 2020. At the end of 2020, even during the pandemic, we did close on that uh, outsized Series B. We actually just closed the second tranche of the Series C. So we closed that tranche in, in August. So that all of those funds are in. Um, but you know, I won't lie, it's definitely a challenging environment. I think um, venture investors are shoring up from some of the some of the losses in the biotech sector from the um, go-go days of 2020 into sort of the reality check of 2021 and, and, and last year. That being said, it's still the case, though, that um, investors uh, do have capital to deploy and they're looking at compelling um uh, un compelling companies that are meeting unmet needs. We're very hopeful that, um, you know, with the support of our existing investors um, and also uh, potentially new investors that that will get support to bring um, bring ONL to the next phase of clinical development. And how far will existing funding take you and what's the plan for raising additional capital? Our current um, our current uh, financial situation is that we have cash to go into the first quarter of 2025. So we feel that that in and of itself is is a really good situation to be in. We're not, you know, um, working off of fumes in terms of our cash runway. And I think, you know, we're we're full guns blazing, trying to get everything all set with um, our current phase two study and then prepare in retinal detachment and preparing for a potential phase two and geographic atrophy. Um, hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of the financial health of the company. And, and, and then, you know, it, it definitely puts us in a good position to be talking about the strategy for the next three to five years for the company with, uh, with our existing and potential new investors. Connie Chang, Chief Operating Officer for ONL Therapeutics. Connie, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Danny, for having me. Take care. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send an email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.